0: The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes.
1: Here's your host, Derek Taylor.
2: 405 on a Tuesday. The Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over twelve thousand sports, culture, and recreation groups. I'm standing up walking around, Zinger i'm moving my bones what is happening i was on a zoom call for an hour so i feel like i need to get up and move my bones around clayton Croker with us in saskatoon uh clayton how did you enjoy that blades game over the weekend
3: uh, both were fantastic. The Saskatoon Blades taking down the, uh, number one ranked Winnipeg Ice 7-2. to Blades are a wagon. Uh, they've won four in a row. Kyle Krinkovic currently leads the WHL in points. Tristan Robbins isn't too far behind him. Nolan Meyer might break the WHL wins record this year if things keep going this way. Blades, man, I mean, they've kind of been a little bit of a joke in the dub the past decade or so, but they're hot, boys. They're hot. That's
1: all that happened, though, right? Blades yeah. just played hockey. That's, that's all that there was, happened. There was
2: no big social media no, event that I mean, happened that, at that, that game, That was eh? it. Just
1: hockey was played.
2: By the way, that was super cool. Uh, if you follow Clayton on Twitter, at Radio Clayton, you saw a big reveal over the weekend.
3: Yeah, I'm having a boy. Oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> well, and for folks who didn't see it, uh, your wife set that up, yeah. Yeah. So my wife works for the uh, Blade slash Rush. They own each other now, and. Um... We thought okay, let's have a gender reveal. We kind of had a a tough go with, you know, getting pregnant and stuff like that the past couple of years. So we're like, you know what? Treat yourself. Let's let's do something happy. So we decided to light up Sastel Center because they had they can light it up green for rush games. They can light it up any color. They have these big lights outside. Yeah. So after the game we uh we just turned all the lights off and then the SASTEL Center staff, they, they lit them up blue, so we're having a baby boy. It looks super extra. Like it looks like influencer on Instagram kind of stuff, but we both work there. So when you when you really dissect it, it's it's the lamest gender reveal ever. We did it at work and we flipped a switch. Like yeah. hooray.
2: <laughs> no, it looked awesome. It shows you guys are very important and that entire buildings changed their color for the two of you. I, I thought honestly, I loved it. Versus Smashing a piñata—the yeah. Yeah. video of that guy who was going way too hard on the piñata, trying to <laughs> rip it. Like, wow, yikes! Or stuff that would make a mess. You just—you had a—you had a building, one of the larger buildings in Saskatoon, lit up for you guys. I think
3: that's awesome. I loved it like the guys who do like the golf swing like they hit the golf ball and it explodes and yeah. they do the slap shot well hey all power to you not judging you but you're just you're just leaving yourself open for a blooper or a bad viral video or something like just keep it simple stupid right like <laughs> yeah. they cut open their cake that they got and it's actually purple and they're like well is that blue or pink uh, i don't know the baker remember, screwed it up remember remember when that was that was considered super extra, the cake. And then fast forward a year, and the cake is like the most simple thing you can do now for gender reveals. Ah,
2: uh, no, I, I loved it. I thought it I thought it played great. Uh, your reaction, priceless. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, this show, Astrid Becker of the University of Regina joins us at 4:30. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards are on Thursday. Astrid is uh, winning award for gosh three decades in coaching. Here in Saskatchewan, so we'll talk to her about that and talk about the Saskatchewan Sport Awards. Arash Madani at five oh five. We'll discuss some CFL with him. Glenn Souter at five thirty. Oh, we've got moves across the CFL. We've got a Pats game tonight to take on Prince Albert Zinger. I'm I'm gonna have to go with regular priced hot dogs tonight when I get over there, but oh, uh, maybe that's right too. Maybe that's my encouragement to try something else at the Pats game.
1: It's not Wednesday.
2: Not wiener Wednesday It's the
1: first of two in a row again. I think Prince Albert's sticking around town. They're playing again on Friday, so
2: Yep. Couple of games there. Uh Dennis Shapovalov says, "Why is everybody biased in favor of uh, Rafa Nadal?"
1: He did not take that defeat uh, very Ooh. well, did he?
2: Oh, when you're <laughs> yelling charges of corruption at the official at the Aussie Open, I love it. That's good times. Uh, the NHL, a former Pat named to the Olympic team and one of Prince Albert's finest, named to the Olympic men's hockey team. Six Canadian, six uh, Saskatchewanians, and two connected to Saskatchewan going to the Olympics now uh, very excited about that final day for the Hall of Fame for guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens
1: every single year we go through this well this is
2: this is the last one I know. Right, for these two and can you have a Hall of Fame without Barry Bonds
1: can you Who's, imagine
2: yeah whose head grew three sizes that day right <laughs> there's there's just a ton going on and we will hit it up here on the cage pregame show for the pats 635 puck drop at seven o'clock want to hit us up on the text line it's 306-936-6262 love having you with us and if you miss any of the show obviously get the sports cage on demand no news from the riders today the last kind of news we had was a couple of signings yesterday mike adam before that and clayton i look at this list of free agents for the riders 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, There are 30 names on the list who have not been decided on. And we are 14 days to free agency. Concerned? Not concerned.
3: Not concerned. We got time. Procrastinators always do their best work last minute, right? It's like, we're fine. I don't know. I I still think there's time. You can sign multiple people in a day. And plus, you know... You can still sign your guys after the free agency period. I know people are kind of freaking out about the deadline. Oh, this is when free agency starts. You can still sign your guys afterwards. They might just be waiting or are busy, who knows, right? I'm not too concerned about this stuff. It's it, it would be the premier guys that that
2: would be the greatest concern, right? Because if they don't get to free agency, hey, you never have to worry about it, right? Mike Adam don't have to worry what Calgary would throw at him. He's a Calgary guy and a University of Calgary guy. Don't have to worry about what folks would throw at Nick Marshall because he's already under contract. So you you look at, well, what about Duke Williams? And what about Purifoy or William Powell or Brett Lother or Micah Johnson? We're we're not quite at the point where I start to panic, Zinger, but we are – I can see it from where I'm sitting right now.
1: I, I'm just concerned about uh, getting Duke Williams back in the building. When you were going through those names there, I was like – the things i would do just to have duke back and i i think there's no doubt he's going to be testing the market i mean i think he would have been signed already if he was going to be back but yeah it's just uh it's just the tough time we live in i guess man uh, luchez Purifoy, i don't know like last week is he hangry or or what you know <laughs> yeah. we need we need him back <laughs> i i don't know man I,
2: I would absolutely want Luchez Purifoy, but Micah like Johnson like said, like, we haven't oh. heard a thing about Micah Johnson because Micah was We need a kicker. We, we need a kicker. Well, and, and there will be an interesting <laughs> decision because Brett Lother, John Ryan are both free agents, but is this the point where the riders go, you know what? We're going global now. Oh boy! Because Corey Vedvik came on and did a fine job punting at the end of the at the end of the season when John was injured.
1: I'm fine going global with, with the punter, but like we need Brett Lawler back. Like we need a field goal kicker. What? We saw we don't want to be in a position where the Bombers were in last year, where they're missing every single kick during the year, right? Like, please no. I
2: was I was going through some of those numbers because <laughs> the Stampeders resigned Renee Paredes. I'm like, I wonder what what were the number said about about kickers last year and. Oh, man, the what Winnipeg went through before they re-signed Sergio Castillo? Oh, man, no, that's a nightmare. That could have made all the difference in that West final, by the way. That would have been incredible. Uh, it's, I, I feel like that is a post-CBA signing for the riders, speaking of Brett Lather, because will there be two Globals? There were supposed to be two Globals for the season. They knocked it back for one because COVID and short turnaround and stuff. But if there are two Globals... We've already seen teams gravitating to, hey, they can be our kicker and our punter. Yeah. So are the riders waiting for Paul that McKellum particular style. moment? <laughs> right. Are are they waiting for, for that? I mean the Riders uh, would put Chrissy Zala on the roster and go, hey, we'll get him some reps at defensive end and stuff like that, the as far as global players. But I, I'm really curious. Clayton to see what, uh, what Brett Lather becomes because no doubt fantastic kicker. 2018 was one of the best years we've seen in kicking. 2019 he was among the top five kickers in the league and I mean it, he says the best the best kicker in the league. he's certainly far above what, what other teams have, but if you do have to accommodate you know a certain quota of global players, does does
3: Brett become the odd man out? I think you anoddenal. could save some money. I think you could save some money though, going from John Ryan to Vedvik because John Ryan's contract for a punter, pretty pretty big, right? I Deserved mean, he's a fan so, yeah. favorite. He's a local boy. He's a great punter. He like, he earns that contract, but it's a pretty big contract for a punter. So maybe you save money there that you can use on Brett Lowther. And, like, with the, with the CBA and the league kind of where it is right now, like, are, are you worried about any team spending a lot of money in the offseason? Maybe that's not why, maybe that's why I'm not too worried, is because I don't think there are a lot of teams out there with a ton of cap space that are like, all right, let's start offering guys tons of, tons of big money contracts, 150, 200 grand. Like, do you see any team doing that right now? B.C. opening up Michael Riley's salary becomes interesting, right?
2: Lamar
1: Durant gone.
2: Lamar Durant gone, so that, that pays Lucky Whitehead, which means if Brian Burnham's back for the same money, they've freed up all of Michael Riley's salary, essentially, and they'll want to get another quarterback. Hamilton is no longer paying two quarterbacks decent money, so I wonder what that does for their possibilities. Ottawa's going to have to overspend, in my mind, to get guys to come because...
3: Yikes! No one's gonna want to go there. Well, they have nothing in the cupboard right now. And like (laughs) again, if you're a free agent like Duke Williams and you want to win, like you're competitive, you don't want to go to Ottawa where there's (laughs) no quarterback. Like there's no system in place. It's just kind of the wild, wild east out there. So like, I'm not too worried about any team swooping up our guys because I just don't see that. Like, I don't see a lot of teams being that aggressive this year. And I also see like Duke Williams is going to command a lot of money. So you're going to have to overpay. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want to overpay this year. So hopefully that's the case because you're right. There are That's a big list of guys. that's yeah. And the deadline is coming up. But I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm pretty chill about it, DT. Pretty chill. You, you
2: talk about there aren't a lot of teams that you think are going to be aggressive. Let me ask you this. Should the Riders be the most aggressive because of the Grey Cup?
4: Hmm.
3: Well after checking after checking my twitter mentions after Suits' comments a couple of weeks ago who knows like who knows how aggressive well. they should be dt right should they go over the cap oh no we've started another huge debate yeah. um <laughs> only no, in riderville I just, yeah i don't think that maybe like maybe aggressive with like the kind of guys we're getting maybe not with the money but maybe risking it with the veterans, like maybe bringing in Kenny Stafford. I don't know, like bringing in a veteran receiver or a veteran guy. Maybe rolling the dice on guys like that, like, guys like with high one talent year guys. Left. Yeah, guys with one year left or high talent guys that haven't worked out. Like maybe roll the dice and and be aggressive that way. But with money, I don't think if if the Riders are planning on signing Duke Williams and they already got two pretty high paid receivers as it is, then maybe you don't get aggressive with the money. Maybe you just roll the dice on some risky players. Well, that's, that's part of the logic I, I had put behind. I want
2: most of the guys from 2021 back. If I'm the GM, if you don't think Micah Johnson has five years left in the CFL, that's fine because you just need one year left in the mm-hmm. CFL. Right. And if, I mean, Micah again, led the league in tackles for a loss, had a couple of sacks as well, and was generally a dominant interior player. That's the kind of guy I want back. Ed Ganey, okay, numbers, numbers when he was targeted weren't amazing, but that's the kind of guy I want back in the lineup. William Powell, more of a question mark, right? Because we know where I fall on running backs and stuff like that and how much I would love to see Jamal Morrow get some burn. I think you can save some dollars there. But those guys that... Ah, you know, I don't know if I want to sign him to a 2-year deal, but I really like the thought of him on a 1-year deal as we're chasing the Grey Cup at home. Those are the guys I'd love you to have. If you want to throw, but that said, if Jeremy O'Day wants to throw 10k extra uh, above and beyond what BC offers Brian Burnham, again the name we're, we're coming back to two <laughs> names uh, inevitably. If you want to take a guy like that and throw him an extra 10 grand, I I'm on side. If you want to Kwaku Boteng less fits into that, but if you want to throw a little extra his way and feel like he can bounce back, let's go there. I've seen some some uh, folks tweet at me, "Well, how about Ted Laurent? How about an extra couple bucks for Ted Laurent?" I'm less so because he didn't have a great season in 21, but those are the guys that to me, you're built to me, I'm building for 2022 and we'll figure out 2023 later.
3: Totally agree. I think you just go all in on this year. It's kinda yeah. like a, a WHL team selling the farm Perfect. during their Memorial Cup year. I think after your your arch rivals go two back to back Grey Cup victories, you gotta go for it the year you're hosting it, right? I mean, it just seems like everything's going Winnipeg's way, and we gotta stop that. Well that that's gotta stop. So I think the riders do gotta do that. I mean, like the Ted Laurent thing's interesting, the Boateng thing's interesting. There's so many interesting guys out there that that when you start maybe considering that the riders could have them, they could have a they could have a cool little roster if they if they, if some of these names come to come come to come to the come to the riders. But that's yeah. the thing about off season talk though; it's all hypothetical. Yeah.
2: Well, and Winnipeg, you mentioned two time Grey Cup champions re signing all of their stars mm-hmm. as Zach Calero uh, broke the news that Stanley Bryant had re-signed uh, over the weekend. You go, okay, well, that's their two ends, their two tackles, their quarterback, their middle linebacker. Dear God, how do you keep pace with all that when those are the critical players? You know, That's that's the hill you have to climb. Calgary is doing a tremendous job re-signing its guys. We'll see what BC and Edmonton are all about. Edmonton under Chris Jones will be a, a whole new world. The Riders do have some work to do. 30 names remaining on the list. Larry Dean, Jay Dearborn, Ganey, Harker, Mac Henry, the Herdman Reeds, Micah Johnson, Dion Lacey is a guy we haven't talked about but should. Picton, Powell, Purifoy. Which one is your top priority with two weeks remaining? Who do you not want to see get free February the seventh eight i think
1: it's the eighth is the tuesday whatever the tuesday is
2: zinger keeps me honest on the dates the text line is 306-936-6262 please do join us inside the cage it is 421 ram soccer coach astrid becker at 430 on the cage
1: 422 with the afternoon rush cfl news argonauts have extended canadian linebacker enoch mwamba mwamba was set to become a free agent next month and was ranked 29th on the CFL.ca's top 30 pending free agents list. The Stamps have brought back their kicker, signing Renee Paradis to a contract extension. And the Bombers have released national offensive lineman Drew Desjardins to allow him to pursue an NFL opportunity. The Alouettes have signed American receiver and returner Mario Alfer to a one-year deal. And the Red Blacks have signed Huskies old lineman Connor Bergloff. A lot of... A lot of CFL signings today. To the NFL quickly, New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton has stepped down from his position. Ian Rapaport of NFL Network reports. And uh, New Orleans, well, they missed the playoffs for the first time in five years in 2021. Payton had a 152-89 record with the Saints in 15 seasons as their head coach.
2: I know he said retired, but he's only 58. Yes. 58 is Hard
1: only- to imagine that he's going to just... Lay on the couch for another 40 years, right,
2: and he's got a Super Bowl in hand. It is 4:23. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards are Thursday night, January 27th. So two nights from tonight, 7 p.m. You can catch it on YouTube Premiere. Normally a live event, but we are in the times where COVID's ruining everything for everybody. So it will go online this year on YouTube Premiere. They'll name the athletes of the year, the youth athletes of the year. The coach of the year, team of the year, some certain recognition awards hosted by uh, myself. I'm very excited about this, and our next guest is getting a coach dedication award on Thursday, and she knows it. So we're I'm happy we're not spilling the beans to you, Astrid Becker from the University of Regina. How are you?
5: Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having
2: me. Well, oh, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you for for joining us. Man, uh, I was—we uh, we recorded the uh, the event, and and I got to know a little bit of of your uh, your backstory. When when did you get into coaching, Astrid?
5: Oh my goodness, it's been a twenty eight year long journey. So okay. I was about fourteen, and I wanted to know more about coach theory. I wanted to take a coaching course, and uh, I I was able to take my first NCCP course, and absolutely fell in love with the coach education journey.
2: In your early teens, you you, you wanted to be yes. a coach and you wanted to do the... the wh- why so? What got you there?
5: You know what? Um, when I played soccer, I played as a midfielder. And midfielders, you know, they often are relied on in decision-making. And I wanted to know more about the game. And I often found some of my best conversations around the game were with my coaches. And I wanted to be like them. I had great role models. And I knew that when I was done playing... I wanted to have a career in coaching.
2: Very cool. How do you think it helped you as a player? Because you wanted to play uh, college soccer, what, both here and in the States.
5: Right. Yeah, you know what? I I really think seeing the game from both lenses, as a player, as a coach, only helped me on the field to make better decisions and to just rely on the elements of scanning, you know, being able to see where I wanted those runs to be going and be able to deliver the ball to my players.
2: Right now, now uh, your father, I am told, was also a prominent coach in our in our fair province.
5: He is. I'm following in his footsteps, and my goodness, I couldn't be more proud. He received the same award in 2018, and how cool! I don't know if it's been done before, where with a father daughter duo like this, and it just feels, it just makes my heart so happy to have. The same level of recognition that he achieved.
2: Yeah, your dad Udo winning in 2018. Do, when you when you look at him, do you see some of of his coaching elements in yourself, or, or have you are you kind of the opposite?
5: You know what? Um, I think I've, I've really for the first part when I started coaching, I really mimicked him. I thought I had to be the same coach as him. And really, in the last five to six years, I've given myself permission to have my own coaching philosophy, have my own vision of the game, but take the good juicy elements that he's taught me Mm -hmm. and then make them my own.
2: You say gave yourself permission. Was it, was it hard to kind of break from how your dad did stuff?
5: It really was honestly, so much has changed in our coach education pathway. So even it was very authoritarian and I was always considered a gentle coach, you know, too kind, too soft. and, I really got to know the players and I did that at a time where it was very authoritarian and, and now there's been a shift in our coach education yeah. and I'm a little bit more in line with what the mainstream coach looks like.
2: I, I feel like you just, you just have to be, we talk about coaches here specifically in the CFL and then in other sports. And I feel like you you just have to be who you are. Some people have a little yeah. harder edge. Some of us have a little softer edge. I'm a big softy, so I would be the softy coach <laughs> too, but you just, you have to, while knowing the right way to go, you, you still have to kind of be yourself.
5: Yeah, I agree. You have to be authentic. Your players have to trust and believe in who you are as yeah. a person and, and the values that you bring to the table.
2: Well, as Astrid Becker, the coach of the Regina Cougars, is with us. Especially, I mean, at the level you're coaching at now, the University of Regina, I feel like your, your women would sniff out uh, uh, not necessarily dishonesty, but not being genuine. They'd sniff that out pretty quickly
5: i absolutely agree this is such a great group of women they expect the absolute best from their coach
2: yeah because i mean they have goals and they they want to know that you're helping them get there so now you're in your is this now your this is officially your third spell with the university of Virginia, two as an assistant and now uh just earlier this month named the head coach
5: that's right um i had a unique opportunity um in july and was named the a co-head coach of the program during a transition time because our head coach bob maltman stepped mm-hmm. away from the program and then we went through the hiring process and I was just named two weeks ago as the head coach.
2: Very cool. You've been involved with Queen City United as well uh, in in your time here. Mm-hmm. What... When I was – the only thing I can compare it is to when I would approach a season as a a player, and I was a terrible player at everything, but you you have to get up for that season of, okay, I'm going to be a 14-year-old playing hockey. Oh, my God. I had to be mentally ready for that. And I reached a point where I thought, I'm not doing this anymore. What is it that keeps you coming back year after year, as you said, 28 years now?
5: You know, if I'm really honest, it's the players. It's that relationships that you build and you genuinely see the impact that you have on, on these young kids or these young adults in their lives, and it's, it's the players. It, it's their ability to show up and motivate me. That, it's 100% about the players.
2: I have a guess to what the answer to this is, but our, our, kids, our kids are, you know, you work with uh, adults as well. Are they any different? Are players any different than they were, say, 20 years ago?
5: No, kids want to have fun. Yeah, give them an environment and just allow them to have fun. And remember that kids aren't mini adults. Get on their level and have fun with them.
2: See, I, w- I was hoping that was the answer from someone who knows better than me because <laughs> I, I, like I now at the age where my wife and I are like, ah, I can't believe that twenty somethings these days. And I think no, actually that was the same beef that our forty something parents had <laughs> with twenty something us, right? It's just they have. They grew up differently in certain ways. They grew up with cell phones and they grew up with technology and butts on YouTube and stuff. It's just, it's different, but they're they're. I feel like they're the same people that we were.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. That just have fun. And that's all we wanted to do. If it was on the street, you know, even video games. why do kids love video games? It's that challenge. Can you bring that into your training environment? Yeah. Find what they're into and incorporate the fun element.
2: Yeah. I had a great uh a great old Nintendo soccer game back in the day. I would beat everybody at twenty to nothing. <laughs> it was it was amazing. And so as as much as every kid who's obsessed with what Zinger, what's a video game from now that people would be obsessed with?
1: Red Dead Redemption Two, man. Red
2: Dead Redemption Two, clearing it a hundred percent. I was I was sc- crushing it for goal because i found the flaw in that game or or double dribble whatever it was uh was back in the day uh what did it mean to you astrid becker to to uh, to win this award to get some get this level of recognition from from the province's uh sports folks for the work that you've given to our, our kids
5: you know it's just an absolute honor when your sport governing body and your peers nominate you i i can't think of any better feeling and it's just an absolute honor and I'm so proud to be from this province. I'm so proud to be coaching the university in my hometown that I can't just help but be grateful and feel absolutely honored.
2: Well, and, and for, for everyone, I mean, when I think of just how many sports go on and how many kids and how many adults love playing sports in our province, how many coaches we need to acknowledge that, that without, the, without that, without their help, they're a part of this whole process. Kids wouldn't get to be doing the things that they're doing
5: absolutely
2: yeah it's it's fantastic i'm so grateful to to SAS sport for for acknowledging these folks in the saskatchewan sport awards uh coming up on thursday uh, can you give us it was a good season for the uh the cougars on the soccer side what does 2022 hold do you feel
5: oh my goodness this future is absolutely bright we have such a young group of dedicated athletes in our program that there is just this excitement about the potential that we can unleash on the turf this season. So I know it's only January, but <laughs> holy smokes, get me to that first home game in September and let us perform for everybody.
2: Can you can you sneak peek us? Can you give us someone when September rolls around we should watch for?
5: You know, I, we it's have always a hard question. great young talent. I know we had Peyton Ends come into our program. She came in as a goal scorer, and she was able in her rookie year to make the all-rookie team and get some national recognition. So there's a kid in her first year that came in and said, hey, learn my name, look at me, I'm coming in with some purpose, and I think you got to watch what she's going to do in her second year.
2: I like it. I like it a lot. The Cougars 7-4-1 this season. Uh, Now their new full-time head coach, Astrid Becker, nice enough to be with us. Astrid, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I appreciate you, and and thanks for all the work that you've put in. 28 years, and I mean – (laughs) <laughs> you're you're still a young woman and 28 years. It just blows my mind that like two thirds of your life has been coaching is is absolutely incredible and admirable. And uh, yeah, thank you, Thank you for everything you've done.
5: Thank you so much for having me today on your show. I really appreciate chatting with you.
2: Astrid Becker, she is winning a Coach Dedication Award from Saskatchewan Sport on Thursday. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards, Thursday, 7 p.m. on YouTube Premiere, Athletes of the Year, uh, Youth Athletes of the Year, Packers Fans of the Year. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's always zinger. That's always Zinger. I thought, I thought I was going to get grilled by
1: something there, but yes. Yes, thank you.
2: <laughs> I very much appreciate Astrid being with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It is 434. Rash Madani, 505, talking CFL in the cage. One big number for this day is two. two saskatchewanians or saskatchewan connected men's hockey players will be off to the olympics as they announce their team today former pat jordan wheel named to the team a 29 year old currently playing in the khl and prince albert native adam cracknell also named also playing he's actually currently playing in the ahl for bakersfield the men's tournament will not be as Hotly contested or exciting as the women's tournament, but very proud to have a former Pat and one of Saskatchewan's own competing on the men's side. One big number brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. 4:36 on a Tuesday, the sports cage for Saskatchewan lotteries. Arash Medani at 5:05, Glenn Suter at 5:30, and at 6:35, the pregame show for the Pats and Prince Albert Raiders. Pats losing in a shootout to Calgary last Tuesday. In that game, Tanner How. Oh, excited to see him go three assists. Riker Evans, Logan Nyhoff, each a goal and an assist tonight ty spencer's debut for the pats he was acquired in the drew englot trade as zinger the building towards the inevitable memorial cup win next year yep.
1: really begins today sorry clayton it's uh gonna be so nice to ho hoist that uh, memorial cup above our heads connor bedard uh tanner Howe. oh yes well ty Matthew, spencer
2: will be 18 next season Matthew that
1: keeper. Works. Oh, Ooh, keeper, the keeper oh yeah. keeper the keeper keeper oh man just...
3: I'm a I'm a Pats fan for the next uh, next four days. I hope you guys take it to the PA Raiders. Just, <laughs> uh, no. the, We can all agree that the Raiders, they're just. Uh, do you do you have a hit list for the for Saskatchewan teams in
2: the dub? Like Saskatchewan would be what? Like the me, Saskatoon. You love them the most, right? Like that's yeah, no, that's he, clear. He, give me give me a the hit list. list.
3: Yeah. Here's the list. Number one, PA, that's the list. No one in Saskatoon <laughs> likes PA. And everyone in PA hates Saskatoon. Oh, man. Like, when we played each other in the playoffs, it was the second round, I want to say 2018. So when the Blades still had Kirby Dock. And that's when the Raiders won the WHL championship. They were loaded yeah. that oh, year. Oh, they Oh, man. It was like each other's barns. Like, we had, uh, it was it was food bank night. So there was a bunch of macaroni being brought in by Blades fans, like, for, like, to, like, make noise. And some Blades fans started, like, dumping some macaroni on PA Raider fans below. It was not good. But it's just macaroni, right? Like, no harm, no foul. There was this big story written about it in uh, the PA, like, website and stuff like that. And it started this big, huge, drama-fueled rivalry, and it was it was nasty. But they've hated each other forever you know what, like the Pats and Moose Jaw and having all the other teams in the province, yeah, the Blades kind of have a rivalry, the Saskatoon Regina thing. Nothing compares to the the Blades Raiders though. It's like Pat's it's like Pat's Warriors. That's yeah. that's the hatred level it's on. Okay, so
2: you you would then equate uh Moose Jaw, Swifty, and Regina all kind of the same in your mind. It's the it's, Yeah,
3: Swifty's gone now. <laughs> Swifty's in the central. We don't even talk oh, about them anymore. They're not a problem. Yeah. yeah but They'll I mean back, but... Re- Yeah, Regina, nah. Uh, Lately now with Bedard, yeah, but I think everyone's rival with the Regina Pats now because of Connor Bedard. Every building gets more ticket sales when the Pats are in town. You should have seen how sad Blades fans were that the Pats games were rescheduled when they were supposed to come to Saskatoon. Everyone was like, ah, man, had the tickets to the Connor Bedard game, had to use them for something else. So that guy's good for the league. Oh, fantastic. I mean... TSN was going to be here last Friday, right, for
2: their CHL package. And there's no question, it's Connor Bedard. They want to show Bedard. They want to have great viz for the World Junior Hockey Championship when he rips it apart next season. It is a great time to be a a Pats fan. Dante DiCaria, great time to be the voice of the Pats as well. Uh, Very excited. Prince Albert tonight and Friday as well. Saturday, they go on to Moose Jaw for the uh, rivalry showdown. The NHL tonight, Florida and Winnipeg, is 7 o'clock start. The Oilers, <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could get hype for an Oilers game, but I just feel like we're going to be talking to Alan Mitchell uh, tomorrow going, oh, yeah, so uh, another one? Is this time Vancouver? <laughs> Did they play tonight? Yeah, it, they're in Vancouver at 9 o'clock. Oh. Buffalo and Ottawa, the other Canadian matchup. Uh, on, on this day. From the text line at 306 936 62 what riders do you think they absolutely need back before the negotiation window opens on January 30th? They can't sign till the 8th, but you can start negotiating with other teams in just five days. Micah Johnson, Luchez, Purifoy, and Ed Ganey would be my picks to bring back. I also want Mitch Picton to come back, receiver of the future, baby i am mitch Picton actually made marshall ferguson's list of the top canadians available in free agency at number 15 figuring with uh brayden lenius being off to the atlanta falcons it's time for mitch Picton. what do we think here mark cordy number one this is our good friend marshall ferguson will join us on thursday sean thomas erlington is his number two canadian free agent who are running back ahead of andrew harris Stampeder Safety, Royce Mechie, and Javon Katoy, the receiver for the BC Lions. What do we think of Sean Thomas Erlington? Would you want a Canadian running back in green? Clayton Croker.
3: I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't think the Bombers are going to re-sign Andrew Harris. I think it kind of looks like the Bombers... I don't think the Bombers are going to get him. Do you think he'd ever come to Saskatchewan? Oh... He doesn't have a
2: connection to Saskatchewan like he does to, you know, the BC Lions or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I I don't see it. I and I you know me. Uh,
3: He'd be I'll, cheap. He'd be cheap, I well, think, cuz he, he was he gets he's the past two seasons, he's been pretty banged up and I don't think there's going to be a lot of other suitors for him. I don't know because like there's no way they can pay well uh, maybe okay, i'll take that table. back you're right you're right Six i take that back there would be plenty nice of suitors team. it's still andrew harris but he's just been so banged up right and he's getting towards that you know older age as a running back uh, can he handle the load right can he can yeah. he be the guy anymore or do you have to kind of pair him up as a 1a 1b kind of option that's why i kind of like him with the riders imagine the uh the canadian running back connection they could have here with harris
2: you uh, yeah, and you're you're well known for love for Keenan Lafrance too right there's two Winnipeg <laughs> guys exactly. who, who would be coming to Saskatchewan. Harris is 35 this season. He turns 35 cool. in April.
1: It's like and, Adrian Peterson almost.
2: <laughs> well, that would fit in with the – Same know if category. I don't know if he's got three years left, but maybe he's got one year left. And we talked about it. We talked about it with Suits yesterday when we were talking running backs. You need guys that can, that can pick up a blitz and be the extra blocker. And there's nobody at the running back position better that, at that, in my mind, than Andrew Harris so I don't and m- I think I don't mind like th- this
3: I also too think like he is getting older and also like the Bombers got everyone back like the Bombers have loaded up again so in order for the Riders to beat this Bomber team they're gonna have to think differently right they're gonna have to not have the same team as last year they're gonna have to think outside the box and think of these ideas of I mean I'm maybe adding these veterans that just can empty the tank for them so Again, it is far-fetched. It might not happen, but I, can you imagine having a, a veteran and a young Canadian running back? Those are your 1A, 1B options, like the the ratio buster possibilities, the offensive the offensive schemes you could think of. I think that would be kind of a good idea to explore. What makes you think Winnipeg won't get him back? I think they want to sign their other Canadian running backs, and I know that Harris is a hometown guy, but I don't know if he's going to take a hometown discount like Adam Big Hill and the rest of the guys are. I just don't know if he's going to do that. And I think the Bombers are more leaning towards maybe getting a little bit younger because, uh, I mean, they have, sure, a lot of their guys have taken pay cuts. They've still had to pay guys a lot of money. Oh yeah, like, The Bombers are pretty, you know, they, they, they've spent a lot of money so far. I don't think they have a lot of cap space left for a big contract. If Harris is asking for a lot, maybe they decide to go younger. I mean, you're, after all, spreading the running back hate propaganda every <laughs> single day. So maybe Kyle Walters is listening to that and is like, you know what, DT's right. I don't need a high-paid running back. No, because Oliveira or Augustine could do almost exactly
2: the same job. Harris. Exactly. Done. And if you can save, I think they're
3: going to lean that way. If you could save
2: fifty grand, seventy grand, whatever, that's a full other salary for for a guy. I, it's it'll be interesting to watch Winnipeg because they have all the guys that we mentioned, all these stars back. But now you're at the point where some of your lower paid stars need significant raises. Kenny Lawler is the first one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. That cat needs a significant raise or is going to feel he needs one. Uh, If Johnny Augustine, I assume Johnny got, got okay money. Brady Olivero would be coming off a rookie contract. If you're going to sign him, you're probably going to need to, to jack up his salary quite a bit. You'll, drew Desjardins leaving for the Indianapolis Colts you're just going to replace him with another young guy and you know money should be the same there they're going to run into some point where I and I don't mind if I'm a GM I don't mind being at the point where okay we need to now fill in with minimum salary guys because hey we got the guys back the riders for example okay there's Cody Fajardo there's Duke Williams there's uh A.C. Leonard I wish there was Luches Purifoy, but let's pretend there's Luchez Purifoy. If you then have to fill in with, with $60,000 American guys after that, Micah Tights is back. Boom, I'm cool with that. If there needs to be a rookie middle linebacker starting because they got Duke Williams back, I'm, I'm okay with that as a philosophy because stars make the difference in this league, in my mind.
3: Exactly. So if you can overpay for your stars, maybe you can just kind of plug these veteran contract kind of guys in there, and just and just hope for the best. I think the Riders are still in pretty good shape, right? Because again, we still have we got a lot of cap space left. There's a we don't have a lot of rosters to f- or like with a lot of roster spots, lot of spots to fill, but like a lot of a lot of spots, right? There's a lot of space for creative freedom, right? Oh, maybe we sign this guy, we get this guy, right? So yeah, it's still kind of exciting. It gives us a lot of stuff to talk about that Jeremy O'Day's kind of taken it's time so
0: appreciate yeah. it
2: well and, and think of what the, what the riders were able to do last season with with guys on low dollar contract Blaise Brown Christian Campbell those guys fared pretty well like there there wasn't mm-hmm. a real problem in, in those spots uh Onyeka when he had when he went in at Samla Jay Dearborn when he went in uh played pretty well ended up with a couple of interceptions and put himself on the map Uh, Garrett Marino when he was healthy fantastic oh by the way Anthony Lanier and Jonathan Woodard and all these guys you go there are there are some absolute dogs out there that you could get for not a ton of salary cap money you got to get I mean you got to get a little lucky to go oh hey we found Jonathan Woodard and he was (laughs) number two in the league in sacks in his first year in the CFL
1: he was a negotiation list player wasn't he Jonathan Woodard
2: oh he would have been yeah I think yeah yeah,
1: it's a you, random thought.
2: you got get a, you got to get a little lucky, but once you've filled in, this is clearly what Winnipeg is going after, once you've filled in your star players, okay, well, this guy is going to lift up whoever's next to him. And if the Riders follow that, whoever plays the end opposite A.C. Leonard mm-hmm. is going to get a boost. So Woodard's going to get a boost. Whoever's next to him, a tackle, a little boost. So if they want to go Charbel Beer at defensive tackle, okay, at Canadian mm-hmm. defensive tackle, I'm with you. If we if we don't re-sign Mac Henry, we bring in a young guy to go behind Charbel, and we still use that rotation where Canadian-American can go, I'm I'm with that because...
1: Coach Dickinson <laughs> I... loves Charbel the beer, too. Remember, oh, after the season, he was like, that's like the one guy, like that he, like, loves the most on the team. So. Ah,
2: Charbel's a good guy. Charbel's a good guy. Great interview. And in the end, Clayton, this is all just me talking myself back to my original point, and I didn't know I was doing it, but I'm good for the logical consistency of, dear God, just back up the truck and give Duke Williams whatever he wants. That's
3: all I'm at. That's, so honestly, that's County- all I'm at. That's what I was going to say. So this whole conversation has brought us to you don't mind overpaying for Duke Williams at this point and having a couple holes elsewhere if it means bringing in some proven guys and kind of rolling the dice on them. The only thing I have wrong with that is like, what if we bring in too many of these like, you know, seven, eight year vets that, that are proven in the CFL? What if it's like, remember the Philadelphia Eagles dream team that one year? when they brought in all those big-name guys and everyone was like, oh, man, this team's stacked. They got Namdi Asamoah and Vince Young and all of that. What if you just bring in too many of those guys and it just doesn't work? It collapses quick, right? So if you bring in a lot of these veterans on these one-year deals and just hoping that, hey, we're hosting hosting the Grey Cup, we're doing this, or come in, we got all these veteran guys coming in, hopefully it just doesn't mess with the chemistry of the team, right? because a lot of those veteran guys probably come with egos and thinking they should start they should play so that's the only thing where it gets iffy if you're like hey we'll overpay for the stars plug in the veterans hopefully the veterans gel well in the in the building and the locker room
2: yeah i I get where you, I get where you're going with that. With guys, when you bring up Asamoah, it was a cornerback for the Raiders. The Eagles brought him in. He was very defined. Hey, I'm good in this, and I'm not good in this. And the Eagles mm-hmm. went, you know what? You're not a great zone corner, but you should play zone. That kind of thing. It's like, well, that's that's kind of dumb. He wasn't as much as he got Darrell Rivas like talk. He come on, he wasn't. He was great. He was really good with the Raiders, but then he fell apart. You you need to know who you're getting. I guess the way I would frame it, and Zinger, let me ask you. You have, you're going to bring in three players. I will give you three league average players, or I will give you one superstar and two random guys from America.
1: <laughs> I'm taking a superstar for sure.
2: in In mm-hmm. that exact scenario, if those dollar amounts are the same and pretend it's 240 plus 60 plus 60, 360000 dollars. If I could have three guys at 120 or 240, 60, 60. You're risking something because if that $240,000 guy gets injured, you are troubled. Yeah. However, Clayton, and, and this is specifically to Duke Williams. Duke, in my mind, has everything, everything you want. He's, uh, I forget what receivers said, but he's a dog. Like, he goes out there for every scrap, and he fights, and guys gravitate to him. And offense, the ball finds him because he's Duke Williams and you're not, that kind of thing. He, to me, has everything. He's not just the high-skilled receiver. He's got the, he's got the whole package to go with it. That's why I would gladly make him the highest-paid receiver, and I would take the shot of Duke plus two randos versus three good players. Let's say that.
3: So, would you think it would be a good idea to be aggressive and sign him now, throw all the money at him, or wait for Burnham's deal? Like, what would be better? Wait to see if Burnham sets the market or set the market for Burnham? What would be the better choice for the Riders here? Honestly,
2: I would wager that Lucky Whitehead's already set the market at 2.05. And I think Burnham's going to come under. Is on, Burnham you know, going to get
3: more? I think he's going to get under, I think Burnham should honestly. get more.
2: I think he should, too. But I think Burnham's going to get under. Lucky's younger. Lucky's an absolute home run hitter. I, I think I would give Burnham more if if I could get Burnham to take si- sixteen. And Green here's two fifteen. Let's go, and we'll figure out where you play and where Duke plays on the other side. This is obviously now I'm pie in the skying this, <laughs> and I'm I'm, I love it. I'm getting flushed a little bit with the thought of all that talent in the same receiving core and how they'd get there. Oh, it's hot in here, <laughs> but I yeah I'm. I, I think I think Lucky White – well, Lucky White had absolutely set the market. I think Burnham ha- ends up having to
3: settle for a little less than that, honestly. Because I think whatever Burnham or Williams gets paid first, that's what you're going to have to pay them. I think they're going to be making about the same, if not Duke Williams, a little bit more. Like, oh. And I'm not talking a little – I'm not talking a lot, but I think that's maybe you get-ahead of – You know, you get aggressive with Duke throw a bunch of money at him now because what if B.C. throws a bunch of money at Burnham now that they have all the space with Riley's contract gone? True. So what if they throw that money at Brian Burnham and all of a sudden Duke Williams is sitting there like, hey, uh, I'm just as good as this guy. I need this kind of money. We got to hit a break.
2: Uh, 2.05 for Lucky Whitehead. How much? What's the top dollar you would offer Duke Williams? $1 million. I've got got a number in mind. It's coming up after the break. This segment of the show for Nick's service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077.
1: And it is 455 Australian Open. Canadian Felix Ogier Eliassim takes on a tournament favorite Daniil Medvedev of Russia on Wednesday. That match gets underway at 2.30 a.m. Saskatchewan time. Canada's Denis Shapovalov, he lost a five-set quarterfinal to Spain's Arafat Nadell on Tuesday. And Denis was not a very happy camper after the match. I'll just put it that way. Team Canada, they've unveiled the men's hockey roster for the Beijing Olympics. Former Regina Path forward Jordan Wheel is on the squad. We all had a nice career with the Pats. He scored 135 goals and he had 250 assists in a Pats uniform. Excited to see him represent Canada and your Pats. They hit the ice at the Brandt Center Tuesday night. The Prince Elba Raiders, they're in town for a 7 p.m. puck drop. You can hear the pregame show with Dante Decaria starting at 635 right after the sports cage. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781
2: Four fifty-six talking free agents. Lucky Whitehead just went back to check it. Farhan Lalji reporting: two hundred thousand dollars this season, two hundred five next season. If I'm a GM, I'm paying Duke Williams more than that. I walk in, (laughs) I sit down, (laughs) take my piece of paper. He's got a pen (laughs) on it. I write two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Too much, Clayton, just enough, not enough.
3: See, I think it's too much because the BC Lions screwed everyone over by giving Lucky Whitehead too much money. That's the market, though. You can't fight the market now, though yeah but they set the market there like they could have given lucky whitehead 170 yep i think i think that would have been totally fair even like 160 and then that's when you get duke for 195 200 grand like i think duke's worth one, 190 to 200 uh, max 200 grand so if but he, the fact is now wow. you've got to pay him more than lucky whitehead and that sucks
2: well okay so what would you pay him now because the market is the way it is you have to get a deal done with him before february 8th what would you pay him what's your top dollar
3: now yeah 230 230
2: zinger top
3: 235. 235 235 235
1: yeah zinger uh i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to say like like 220 like like that's a lot of money yeah. for for a starting receiver
3: I, Especially when we're paying Shack and Kyron like hundred and twenty plus a year as well. That's a lot of money to be spending on receivers. That's like some that's some <laughs> maple leaf strategy right there.
1: That is a lot of money.
3: Yeah, and as I said,
2: I would write two twenty five on the piece of paper, but I'm I'm willing to go to two forty five. You know me. <laughs> I want Duke back so bad that I would the. The assistant GM would have to be, Derek, you can't go in the room with him because your palpable love for his skills will get us taken to the cleaners. His agent is going to eat your lunch,
3: and I'd be like, yep, okay, that's fair. That's fair. What if Hit What me. if you can get Brian Burnham at 2.05,
1: 2.10? Yeah, would you take Burnham at 2.10 or would you or would you take Williams at 2.30, 2, 230 or 2.35? Uh, Dt sweating. He does. He doesn't know.
2: And because I have unlimited love for Brian Burnham, I'd take Duke Williams at twenty k more. I'd absolutely Ooh. pay
3: twenty k more for Duke Williams. Can I get him? For I love Duke, years? but I'm taking Burnham. I'm huh? taking Burnham there. Yeah, I like Duke, but I'm taking Burnham. Well, and this is this is the thing that
2: GMs have to do because I'm I'm not necessarily thinking of the ripple effects of that twenty grand, which could be substantial and cost you. What if that means you can't re-sign Player X, who you absolutely love? So much going on, and that's why we love the drama of free agency in the CFL. 459 News is next. Rash Madani at 5.05 in the cage.
4: Pain is in the building. 5.06 on a
2: Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Sometimes you end up breaking new news and you didn't even know it. A week ago, talking to Rash Madani, when all of a sudden, Victor Quee followed him on Twitter as we were conversating. Victor Quee named the president of the Edmonton Elks on this day. Look how it happens sometimes, buddy.
4: You just never know, DT. It's <laughs> amazing how it goes. Just right place, right time. He just started following us randomly in the middle of our conversation. Why would an MMA guy do that, right?
2: Yep. Well, it's when you knew it was That's coming fun. through. Uh you yeah, had
4: to believe it. And I and I give I give Victor credit because how does he break the news? Uh he gifts rapid to Terry Jones, the Hall of Famer, the institution in Edmonton Sports. Nobody had it. Terry officially had it, so good for him.
2: There you go. We are a day after Michael Riley's retirement, four times he led the league in passing, two great Cups, numbers, MOPs, that kind of stuff. What stands out to you about Riley and his time in the CFL? Well,
4: I, I think there's two things. One is the toughness factor. I mean, this dude just got beaten alive throughout his career. Even, DT, if you think back to 2015, the year they won it all, opening day that year gets hit low. Uh, tears his pcl they weren't sure if he was going to come back from that knee injury did in september wasn't right until october cleon lang hit him if you remember in that low hit um but was terrific in his makeup and i think that one leads into the other you know his toughness is part of his journey mm-hmm. you know uh, <clears throat> here you have a guy who grew up in nowhere washington he's the son of a high school football coach, left to Montana to follow his dad, Pat, when Pat went there, Uh, started his college career at Washington State, then went on to Central Washington. Um, For four years, basically was fighting um, for the number three job, on and off the roster, finally got it one training camp. And I remember talking to him one great cup week. He said, nothing's ever been given to me I had to go out and get it and I think that's part of Mike Riley's story is that no matter how hard he was hit how much he was hurt when the lights came on he went out and got it and that was kind of part of his journey just to break into the pros and to finally do it what about
2: leadership and his his time as a franchise quarterback
4: well it's funny I Whenever I think about a quarterback, especially upon retirement, I think about how many championships did they win, whether that's fair or whether that's not. Mm-hmm. And I remember 2015 Grey Cup week in Winnipeg talking to Odell Willis. Now, remember that when they first got to Edmonton together, Odell and Mike, Odell had come over from Calgary and Mike had come over from BC. In 2013, they went four and fourteen they had an eight game losing streak they went five they had a five game stretch without a win mm. and after each of those losses mike would walk over to the other end of the locker room from the offensive side to the defensive side and he'd tell odell remember this remember this because at some point we're going to laugh about it remember this because we're going to get out of this misery and this whatever um and then that 2013 season, that 4-14 and year, they lost to Hamilton by one. They lost three games in a row by, like, a field goal. And on Labor Day, Mike came over with that same message. Again, remember, DT, this is an eight-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. And Odell looked at him and said, would you get the hell out of my face? Like, this, this is your fault. You're the quarterback. Yeah. And Mike was like, no, no, remember this because as much as this sucks – we're going to have success. And then that's when the light bulb went off for Odell. And he said, That's when I realized, hey, it's not about pointing fingers, it's look at what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Mike Riley kind of instilled in a lot of his teammates. And when they won that night in Winnipeg, when Edmonton finally got over the hump and won that championship, I did an interview with him, DT. He said, I'm so happy for my teammates. I'm so happy for this organization. I'm so happy for the general manager. I'm so happy for my city. And that was Mike. That was Mike coming into a situation, understanding what it was, what they had to, the hell they had to go through to come out on the other side and identify Odell's going to be part of this and he's got to be a defensive leader. And by the end, one thing Odell told me was I'd run through a wall for Mike Riley. And I think that says a lot about Mike Riley's leadership as a franchise quarterback, as a champion.
2: Even guys who didn't play with him are are huge Mike Riley fans. Uh, Cody Fajardo on Twitter today said, when I was in my first two years in the CFL, I used to watch your tape over and over because when I got my chance, I wanted to emulate your game. Honored to have competed against such a legend. Michael Riley is out. Arash Madani is here. And Riley being out... Yesterday, uh, whether it was Rick Campbell or Neil McAvoy, whoever it was, said, hey, we're going into camp with Nathan Rourke as our starter and we'll go out and get a veteran contributor as well. I am on the ye reserved side of the Nathan Rourke show where I think a lot of a lot of folks in the CFL media are full steam ahead. Let's go. Let's have the show uh, that his opportunity comes to him so quickly Man, that's a real opportunity for a young young player, young Canadian.
4: Here's what's wild, DT. It wasn't that long ago that Nathan Rourke was coming out of college and the New York Giants brought him in as a receiver. Huh? And here he is, less than 18 months later. And he's been given the keys to the franchise with the BC Lions. I think part of that right now is because BC doesn't have anybody else. Um, you know, maybe Trevor Harris ends up there, maybe he doesn't. But I will tell you this. um, When COVID hit uh, March, April 2020 and nobody knew if there was going to be a season, the CFL still went through with their draft in I think May of 2020. And I remember, especially because we had nothing else to do at that time, (laughs) um, talking to a lot of people who were involved in Zoom calls with draft prospects and people who have worked in the league for a long time. And Almost unanimously people said we have not had i have not experienced a pre-draft interview quite like what Nathan Rourke has to offered that he came to those meetings with almost as many questions for those for the teams as the organizations did themselves they were impressed with what they saw in film mm. But it was more the makeup. It was more who he is. It was more what he's about. It was more how impressed they were with the dude. Now, look, BC is a bad football team with a bad roster and a lot of holes. And I don't care who the quarterback is. Like if Zach just fell into their lap tomorrow, he's not. But if Caleros ends up in Vancouver, he's not going to make them a Grey Cup favorite either. But I'm really interested in the evolution of this team, um, what this kid can do based on just kind of who he is and and what so many have said about him. I, You're not buying it.
2: Well, I'm not buying – well, I, here's the thing that, that I would play in O'Rourke's favor. Their roster on the offensive side, they need to figure out the interior of that offensive line. They need to, I think Joel Figueroa at left tackles back under contract. I thought he was good this year. They have they have two receiver parts that a lot of teams don't have in Lucky Whitehead and Dominic Rhymes. Dominic Rimes was a dominant X receiver in 2019, though it was with Ottawa. That's, that's two pretty good parts. If Katoy's back, okay. If Shaq Johnson is back, okay. Now we have some Canadians to mix there. If Burnham is back, I feel that this is – an offense in which Rourke can be what he he can be. I just question when a guy throws for a couple thousand yards in his final year in college, I just question if Rourke's got the arm to play consistently 18 games at a top-five quarterback level.
4: Fair. Um, At this stage of things, I'm just trying to think of, okay, who could you – you know who does Ottawa have? Who has Ottawa had a quarterback? Like I don't look at college numbers too much because you don't know what system they are running, you don't know what defenses they were going up against, yep. what conference they're in, blah blah blah. Um, I just look around the league. Who am I really buying stock in? As far like as you teams think, or as far as quarterbacks? Quarterbacks. I think you have a guy in Hamilton. I think yeah. you have the guy in Edmonton. Oh, sorry, in uh, in Winnipeg.
2: Yeah, Caleb Evans uh, in Ottawa. Maybe he had some. He had Caleb Evans had some flashes, but then he had 107 no, interceptions. always yep. going to Ottawa, right? Pres- always going up
1: there.
2: We would presume, yeah. Yeah. Who am I buying stock in? God, that's well, Jake Mayer in Calgary for sure. Uh, are you? Well, it's it's he showed it. He had some 300 yard games, and he showed some real gumption in those games. So I'm looking. So I is like Jake that. your guy
4: or is Bo your guy?
2: Oh well, that's a whole that's a whole other. <laughs> but if we're, if we're buying stock, if we're making investment opportunities, there's a mm-hmm. there's a sprinkle on Mayer for sure. Uh, I and then it, I mean, we're in an awkward time because I thought we were so quarterback rich in the league in 2019, and in 2021, uh, it, it's like some invading army came in and burned and salted the fields. Honestly.
4: So where I was going with this is, you say top five quarterback. And it's, it's very easy to say, okay, Nathan Rourke's not a top five quarterback. Yeah. But my question to you is, name your climb. top five.
2: It's not a real high climb, uh, man. Yeah, Zach,
4: it's kind of like Cody. Where, you know what this reminds yeah. me of? When Dion Phaneuf was the captain of the Leafs, people said he's not a number one defenseman. I said, oh, okay. I said, name me 30 defensemen better than him. Like I like I'm not saying that Nathan Rourke's elite and I'm not saying that Dion was elite when it comes to the yeah. upper stratosphere of their leagues. Except damn who's name me a bunch better. Like the you know, the the, the Danes and the Zacks are easy. Um it's the R like who's Edmonton's quarterback gonna be? <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh I you I would have to say Arbuckle is better. I've seen Arbuckle be better than I've seen Nathan Rourke be and it was more track record with Arbuckle, but is it I mean not to the point where I would pay one significantly more than the other. It's
4: and that's what's interesting here yeah. is that suddenly Nathan Rourke is getting 150 not 550. Yep. Uh, suddenly that opens up 12, 13% of your salary cap to go spend everywhere.
2: Yeah. Get your uh, damn hands off Duke Williams, Rick Campbell and Neil McAvoy. Get mm. your damn hands off them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay. though, though, the Duke to my, to the Duke, Michael Riley connection can no longer happen. We're, we're okay with that, but yeah, it's, it, it opens up some interesting possibilities. Uh, Clayton, you want to throw something that, uh, a rash before we go?
3: Well, let's just continue the uh, the Lucky Whitehead contract story we were talking about before. Arash, do you think that teams are now going to have to like overpay for the big three free agent receivers because Lucky Whitehead signed such a big contract early on? Like, our, our team is a team that going to sign Kenny Lawler? Are they going to regret the number they're going to throw at him because Lucky Whitehead set the market that way?
4: I think it just depends on the team um, and where they are and what they're doing. Um, I'm drawing a blank. There was an Edmonton receiver who signed for a pile of money in Toronto a couple of years ago. Jim Pop gave him all the, all the money. DeVaris Daniels? No, it was even before him. Darrell Walker? Darrell Walker. <laughs> like you, you, you regret Darrell Walker. Um, would I pay Kenny Lawler a pile of money? It depends what team I am. Um, here, for instance, Clayton, if I'm Montreal – I would actually think about doing it because I think with Gino Lewis, you have the best route runner in the league. Now, if he's going to draw a whole pile of attention, suddenly that allows Lawler to go do it. But if I'm saying BC, since we were just talking about them, or Ottawa, since we were just talking about them, I don't know how much of an impact a big-time receiver makes in that offense the way they run their offense. So, I think it's situationally based. I think that's one of the biggest factors in all of this.
3: Yeah, I think uh, some GMs of receiver needy teams were probably pretty mad at BC when they saw that Lucky Whitehead deal because I yeah. think that's, that's just going to inflate the market even more.
2: Yeah, it absolutely will. A rash before I let you go just came across David Ortiz into the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, not final Barry year of eligibility.
4: Bonds. Barry Bonds is not.
2: I, I woke up this morning not knowing how I would feel about the greatest player I ever saw who is very strongly connected to a steroid scandal, not in the Hall of Fame. I, I honestly don't know where I feel with that.
4: I, I, I'll just say this about the Hall of Fame. To me, the Hall of Fame is a museum. And a museum is about history. How can you write the story of baseball or sports history without drugs? It's part of your history. Yeah. Have a damn drug wing to your museum and put <laughs> them all in there and oh. say they were part of all this.
2: Bonds was terrifying at his peak. And then, oh, before that, he was just the best player in baseball in an era with guys like Griffey. Like yeah, Bonds was, I mean, maybe it was this much better, but – Bonds was the best player in baseball before any connection to steroids. And nobody was as terrified. Like nobody terrified opposing pitchers as much as Barry Bonds that I've ever seen. It's not even that close, honestly.
4: Yeah, no question. I mean, there's there's a great clip that was going around a while back. Eric Gagne at the time was the Cy Young award winner. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the closer for the Dodgers. It was like a one or two run ball game with one on it was Dodgers giants, one of the great rivalries and it was Gagne versus Bonds in the ninth inning, and the entire crowd was on its feet. Both dugouts were on the, uh, you know, right there, watching every single move from each guy. Though, like that guy's a Hall of Famer. Point yeah. to me now. Yeah,
2: veteran committee will take over and decide it from here on in. Arash, thank you, brother.
4: Okay, DT.
2: See you, play. Arash Madani and the Madani Report brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Glenn Suter, fine tailored suits at 530 on the cage.
1: 524, it's your afternoon rush. This news coming down just a few minutes ago. Longtime Boston Red Sox designated hitter David Ortiz. He's the lone player elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame for 2022. So that means Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds fall short of election on their final time on the ballot. National Football League New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton has stepped down from his position. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network reports uh, New Orleans missed the playoffs for the first time in five years in 2021. Payton had a 152-89 and record with the Saints in 15 seasons as their head coach.
2: Clayton Croker, Barry Bonds does not get to the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens not to the Hall of Fame. I remember I was working at Sports Center in 1998 when Griffey and then Maguire and Sosa and Bonds and Griffey were in it for a bit, had the massive home run chase. And Mark McGuire terrified opposing pitchers, terrified them. Honestly, it was nothing compared to how much they feared Barry Bonds at the turn of the turn of the millennium. He dominated baseball for years,
3: and that was such a great era of baseball. I mean, now we know why it was such a great era for baseball. Everyone was juiced, Juice, but like it was it was awesome to watch, right? That Sosa McGuire back and forth, who can get the most home run season? I think it was ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, yeah ninety eight. I remember uh, after that season was over, they had shirts of one side, like the front had Maguire's home runs and the back had Sosa's home runs, and there was what game and how far they went. And I remember these shirts, like you could, Sportcheck couldn't keep them on the shelves fast enough because they were just flying off shelves. And the fact that these steroid guys aren't getting love in the Hall of Fame, like Arash said, it's a museum. Put a steroid wing in the museum and let them go in there.
2: Barry Bonds won the MVP in 1990, then in 92 and 93. He won four, three MVPs in a four-year span, which on its own would have been enough to get him to the Hall of Fame. Then the Juice era comes in. He wins four consecutive MVPs from 2001 to 2004. Uh, he hit 73 home runs that one season. <laughs> on his merits, the Hall of Fame should be him and Babe Ruth, and that should be about it. Walter Johnson. And those three should be the Hall of Fame. Uh the steroid thing just is the only thing that gives me pause. Never, never convicted of using steroids. Never proven he used steroids. But the Balco report was Barry Bonds, and man, his head got bigger as as his career went along. And he was this ridiculous sized, you know, man in his forties. You go, you don't grow like that when you're in your late thirties and forties. What's happening here? I I don't I don't know but but like I think rash said it best you can't tell the history of baseball without Barry Bonds so if that's that should be enough to have
3: him in the Hall of Fame in some fashion and usually there's no gray area with cheating right oh you cheated boom you're done right but yeah Pete Rose era for of ba- my case, yeah. yeah right the steroid era of baseball literally like everyone was cheating right so the fact that he was juicing he was kind of on the same playing field as everyone else. Cause everyone else was juicing too. So I don't know. I think there should be some kind of like you're in with an asterisk or I love that idea from a rash. Just have a drug wing of the baseball hall of fame. <laughs> Here's the 90 f- guys who
2: played from 95 to Oh five. This is the, this is the wing for them uh, <laughs> except Greg Maddox. You can be in the normal one. Cause there's no way you were on steroids. That's just, there's no chance. The accountant was on steroids. It's it's uncomfortable. And I don't know where where voters went. And I'd be curious to see ballots for guys like Bonds, Clemens, uh, Kurt Schilling and Alex Rodriguez is a different era. And he's a guy who's admitted to using steroids. I'd be curious to see ballots to see if if voters are applying the same logic to each of those guys, because they've all been caught up with it. A-Rod a little different in that he admitted to it and he got caught
3: doing it. Uh, it's,
2: uh, A-Rod it's a gets thing. in and
3: Barry Bonds doesn't, that would cause a riot. Can... I think if, if Barry Bonds doesn't get in, A-Rod doesn't get in either.
2: Oh, A-Rod can, yeah. I don't think v- voters could ever let A-Rod in. And people will say, well, they just didn't like Barry. You just didn't like Barry Bonds. Yeah, Barry was a jerk to the media. But mm-hmm. let's not pretend that that's the thing keeping him out of the Hall of Fame, is that he was a jerk. Because Ty Cobb beat up a man with no hands, and that guy opened the Hall of Fame. Like, Jumped into the crowd. Yeah, like me not liking a guy would never keep me voting from, for him from for All-Star in the CFL. I you, you wouldn't do it. People aren't that simple. They, Barry Bonds very probably took enhancements and <sighs> made his bed. And now 10 times he's gone through the ballot. It'll be up to the Veterans Committee. Uh... At a future date to see if he does get into the hall. One of the greatest players the game has ever seen. It is 5.30. Glenn Suter next in Fine Tailored Suits on the cage. 5.32. Time for Fine Tailored Suits. Brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Suits, I need you to talk me down because there's some online slander going around. And you either (laughs) need to join me in my rage or need to talk me down, okay? All right, what do we got? Former rider Chad Jeter said, uh, put out a tweet earlier today. It quoted uh, like chips and gravy, fries and gravy, and he said, "I had no idea fries and gravy was a combo until I went to Canada." And he said, "It's fire!" And it, I was like, "Really? You've never heard? You didn't have fries and gravy, or are we talking poutine?" He said, "No, no, I've never, I never had fries and gravy till I came to Canada." I thought, oh, "Okay, well that's sad." Charleston Hughes, responding to the fries and gravy tweet. Tweeted the barf emoji and I am irate because fries and gravy is outstanding. And then you sprinkle on some pulled pork or some, I don't know, Montreal smoked meat and some cheese sauce. Fries and gravy
0: are awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call a timeout right now and go get something to eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sounds so good. Charleston. No, it, first of all, um, Fries and gravy, love them. I mean, ah. it's just another form of potatoes, which you're putting, you know, when you have your turkey dinner or whatever, you're having potatoes and gravy. Uh, secondly, anybody who says you can't get fries and gravy in the States, come on. Come I, on. Gravy I, is is oh. like, you can get gravy by the gallon in the States. So don't tell
2: me. <laughs> which was my surprise that Chad had gone his entire life till he came to Canada and not had yeah. fries and gravy. That's do they not just not uh, like when i go to a restaurant oh do you want gravy with that well in a time where i would go to a restaurant but that's currently covid and i eat it at home but do you want gravy on the side yes i do i yes, i just figured that thing. was a north american thing but chad and his 20 some years on the planet before he got up here never ran across <laughs> it it's amazing but fries and zinger fries and gravy yeah absolutely oh, yeah. clayton croaker yeah. fries and gravy yeah
0: thumbs up
3: Hate to be that. Hate to be that guy, but I'm not a big gravy person. I I just kind of think gravy's overrated.
1: Does it bother your tummy?
3: <laughs> no, it just. It bothers me that it's just this mystery meat juice. Like that's the thing I can't get past. It. Like where did this gravy come from? You can never trace back where the gravy comes from. I just. I don't know. It's yeah, a bit of a. That, I'm just. I've I've always been weirded out by gravy. I've always been weirded out oh, by it. Do you like the McNuggets? Do you like McNuggets? We don't know where McNuggets
2: come from. Hey, pink slime (laughs) has a defined starting point. It's ground up. Take the whole chicken, throw it in the grinder. Here's pink slime. Right. Uh, Going down a road. We're going down a road here. (laughs) Doctors tell us to drink eight glasses of gravy a day. I follow that pretty religiously. All right, Suits, you wanted to jump in. Uh, That was a Simpsons reference, by the way. We'll just mark that down. Uh, Nathan Rourke, you wanted to jump in on the conversation of Nathan Rourke. A job open in B.C. now. Uh, Rick Campbell saying yesterday, Nathan comes in as our one. We'll investigate essentially veteran quarterbacks on the open market. If you are the BC Lions, is Nathan Rourke your day, is your training camp day one starter? Is it Nathan Rourke?
0: Yeah, and I think this was, uh, I wanted to get in on this conversation because I was listening to a great discussion you guys have been having all day on it. And uh, I wanted to bring a different perspective because I had many a conversation with Coach Campbell coming out of, you know, the shortened training camp and and what they saw in Nathan Rourke. And he was talking about Nathan as a starter before the season began. He said, this guy can start. He can excel in the league. I know it. I feel it. I can see he's got all the things, all the criteria checked that you need from a starter. His preparation is there. Uh, His commitment to learning the game, learning how to win. And so... I, I've always had that in the back of my mind and fans should know that because, you know, this wasn't sort of, well, he's there, he's on the roster, so I guess that means that he's going to be the starter. I, I mm. think if if that was the case and he wasn't already going to be the starter going into camp, then Coach Campbell would have said, well, it'll be a competition, open competition, we'll see what free agency brings, we're going to go out and possibly look at a veteran quarterback in free agency, which they still will. And, and then we'll see what happens in camp. And that's not what he said. And I like what he did. He said, this is going to be his team going into camp. It's his job to lose. He can go in and take ownership of the team, which he's learned all year working side by side with Michael Riley. And I think that is something that is just going to help him immensely when it comes to taking the keys to the car here. And I'll I'll take you to the, the first game of the season in 21. There's so much emotion in that game for so many reasons after losing a season. But BC's in Saskatchewan, and we get the whole Michael Riley elbow yeah. controversy before the game starts. And Nathan Rourke is thrown in as the starter in a mosaic stadium going nuts mm-hmm. after missing football for a year. Cody and the team coming off the great season the year before. And this was game one and they get down 25, nothing, 28, nothing early in the game, first half of the game. So Nathan starts that game and he gets off to a shaky start with a couple of picks. One was a pick six to Nick Marshall and that can destroy a young quarterback that can just take you back 50 paces and where your confidence takes a whole year to build back. We've seen that many, many times. And sometimes they never come back from right. starts like that. Nathan came out the next series or the next series after that. I'm not sure how quick it happened, but I believe it was his very next series. And he hit Lucky Whitehead on a 71 yard touchdown. And, yeah. And I thought Nick Marshall. Okay. I, I Nick Marshall has has the pick six. He comes back and Nathan Rourke comes back in the next series and he throws a deep mark, a ball to over Nick Marshall, as you mentioned to, yeah. to lucky whitehead. And, you know, and you know what DT, that, that to me sort of validated everything the coach was saying. Sometimes coaches have an agenda. They like a guy, so they want to pump him up and they tell you that. But so I was, I was going to make my own judgment watching Nathan Rourke. But when I saw him bounce back from the pick six, like he did, I thought, this kid's got some. He, he clearly – this is why the coach has been so confident in saying that he is a starter. We have Michael Riley. He's our guy. But this guy is starter material. And so I, I just – I put that together. And then look at the last game. I know it was the Edmonton Elks, but last game of the season, Nathan gets the start. BC's out. But mm-hmm. he goes for three-something. And, you know, he forget about not looking out of place. Nathan Rourke looks like he's going to excel. I I just Ooh. take, I honestly Ooh. take his, take his, and, and everyone's got to do this. And I hope everyone does this, but take his passport out of the discussion. Do not look at him yep. as a Canadian, which is bizarre that I even have to say that, but let's take his passport out of the discussion and just watch him develop. And if he gets the type of time, that so many American quarterbacks have got throughout history in our league. Um, I, I think he's going to be a star. I, I really do. I just
2: wanted to, I wanted to pull that up and remind myself. So he throws the interception, the pick six to Nick Marshall. Uh, three drives later came the, the hit to uh, Lucky Whitehead. He came back out uh... – because the Riders blitzed him relentlessly in that game, right? The Riders, right, Jason exactly. Shivers knew exactly what he was doing. Young guy, first start. Here comes the house. Uh, if they if they blitz 50 percent of the time, I'm I'd be I'd say that's probably too low. They they blitzed him relentlessly. It was yeah. Three drives later, he hits Lucky for the 75 yarder. And here's here's my thing. I will take uh, I'll take Nathan Rourke's passport out of it. Uh, he threw 80 something passes that's that season uh his completion percentage was about 6 points below expected his accuracy was about 3 points below expected his interceptions he threw 3 more than expected and in that game he talk about he had the bounce back the final play of that game was him uh forgive me i can check it it's not super important but four man five man rush dropping back in the pocket panicking and throwing an interception to uh AC Leonard so i go okay that's that's honestly that's what I would expect from a guy in that spot. None of these numbers terrify me about about Nathan Rourke. Uh, completion section percentage below expected. Accuracy, but not too far below expected. None of those scare me about him. But nothing I saw in 2021 gives me great confidence that he's going to be a premier starter in the CFL. And I feel like not you too but too many people are he's the next big thing anointing him yeah and i that is that is way too early for me
0: yeah and i'm not and i'm not doing that i'm not for sure. saying, you know he you, you you can't you you aren't there until you're there you you know you're not the guy until you are until you show that you can be i mean michael riley had one drive in the preseason to make the team he makes a team and so many quarterbacks have played sparingly as the number three, then the number two when we eliminated the number three. Don't get me started there. And then, <laughs> you know, and then taking, you know, taking your time three, four, five years sometimes. So this is an accelerated process for Nathan Rourke. So I that that does mean that there's going to be some valleys here. There's going to be some valleys with his play. There's no question about that. This is, this is pro where the Nick Marshalls of the world are going to pounce on small mistakes and make you pay for them. But when I see him bounce back, when I, when I hear of his preparation, when I consider the fact that he throws a nice ball. I mean, yep, you watch him throw the football. His release, he can run. He's athletic and can run and throw on the run. You can move the pocket and the launch point with him in a big way. Uh, he can complement your run game. All of those things. And then I hear that his preparation is there with – a guy that has taught him how to win and how to, how to lead, let's put it that way because the lions have struggled the last two years, but how, how to lead from Michael Riley, one of the best leaders in the last eight years in our league, I would say that he's got the tools to get it done. Now he, he's not the guy until he is the guy until he shows he can be the guy and do what Cody Fajardo did in 19. You know, Cody. we had the same discussion about Cody. Mm-hmm. We, were saying, we were saying he can throw a good ball. He runs really well. He loves to run. He's a competitor. But can he do it when the lights are on and it matters? And he did it in 19 and proved he could. uh Rourke was blitzed
2: on 44% of his dropbacks in 20, 45% of his dropbacks. Uh, for comparison, uh, the top quarterback was Zach Caleros at just over 50%. Michael Riley blitzed 33% of the time, so fully uh, about a quarter less. When, when he is no longer a rookie, I mean, defenses will try to kill him, right? Like, it's a rookie quarterback. Let's try to kill him. Not, not literally, but I'm going to come and get you and make you make decisions under pressure. When defenses stop doing that, when he makes defenses stop doing that because he, has, he potentially has the run weapons. He was an unbelievable runner at Ohio, right? Like, he was yeah. fantastic. He didn't get a ton of opportunity to show it. Uh, five design carries in 2021. 20, 20, when they settle down into their Nathan Rourke-style defense, we'll really get to see what he is. It's a tantalizing package. It's, I mean, if if you said this guy has, this guy can be the top running quarterback in the CFL and then we'll add his throwing in. That's a really nice floor to start working from.
0: Yeah. I don't think he'll be a better runner than Cody, but I think he can be a very good runner that could add, you know, three or 400 yards to your offense running the ball. And you can actually run misdirection type plays where you're, you're running the read the read react and you know those those riding to side type plays where you're riding the tailback you read the defensive end if he pinches down to the back you, you you pull it take it around the edge and now you have the option to throw a run when you get outside and you know I I think he can run all of those play packages really well and be dangerous and, and tough to stop but yeah I'm I'm, I'm not anointing him it's it's kind of like uh, you remember James Franklin and everyone got real excited about, about him. There I think there is to. an element here where people are excited that he is a Canadian. That would be a great story to have in the league. And I'm certainly cheering for him from that regard, but I'm, I'm not evaluating him yep. with his passport in mind. I, cause it, cause it can be a negative surprisingly, <laughs> uh, Oddly you not. know, <laughs> in a Canadian football league to have a Canadian passport as a quarterback. So yeah, I, I just I like the kid. I like his work ethic. I like his um I like his demeanor. I like I like that he you know watching him on the sideline in a game go to the to the tablet every time with Riley, almost after every series, listening to him, watching him, working with him. He didn't just say, I gotta wait for my turn, I'm gonna stand here and chart plays. He he was in and involved knowing that he was going to get an opportunity and this will be his opportunity
2: well and if you could learn if you were a quarterback who is mobile uh you wanted to learn from michael riley and he should have i i hope he soaked up every second of that because uh just take even a little bit of that hook it right in your veins and and uh and have at it in 2022 my final thought on uh, Nathan rourke I kind of want some team to just go, you know what, we're we're doing a Canadian quarterback. And if he even if he's 3% worse than the American guy, we're doing the Canadian thing. I don't know if I want it to be my team, but I want somebody to do it because the ripple effects just for our country in football of a Canadian being a starting quarterback in the Canadian Football League, I think I think are substantial. So ultimately at my core for the for the good of our game long term and by our game I mean at all levels. Uh, having a Canadian at quarterback, starting at quarterback, being the 18-game starter would be incredible for Canadian football fans. Uh, BC will decide for themselves what they are going to do with that as they pursue uh, a starter, well, another veteran quarterback in the offseason. It's 547. How about the Edmonton Elks new president? Talk about Victor Qui when we return with Glenn Souter. Find tailored suits in the cage.
1: with the sports ticker. Your Regina Pats hit the ice at the Brandt Center tonight. The Prince Albert Raiders are in town for a 7 p.m. puck chop. You can hear the pregame show with Dante DiCaria starting at 6.35 right after the sports cage. The sports tickers for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 7.81-2090.
2: 5.49. We continue with Glenn Suter in fine tailored suits. The Edmonton Elks. Uh, announcing their new president today, Victor Kui, a uh, guy with a background in mixed martial arts, uh, guy, man, they got a local guy, a University of Alberta guy, a younger guy. This on the surface, and I don't know too much about Victor Quee. this is a great pick on the surface.
0: And I, I can I can tell that by the interview he did, which is online on TSN.ca, if you want to take a look at it uh, with Ryan Rashog and asked was asked about you know his motivation for the job he's got a great resume that is discussed in that interview as well uh, that is so you know has so prepared him for this opportunity and and is a local guy that has great pride in the city of edmonton so i i listened to the interview and i thought this is um Amar Dolman and the new owner in Vancouver. This is the same approach, and we talked about Mark Gowdy, the the president and CEO in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and what he talked about and and what he did in his interview a couple of days ago. This was this is this is the messaging that I love to hear from the leadership group in our league. That. They are not going to back down by, by you know, this discussion and comparison continually. They're going to get off of the hamster wheel and they're going to say, we love this league. What can we do to improve the fan experience? And when you get here, you are seeing world-class athletes. And that's going to be the discussion according to those three guys that I just mentioned. And And, you know, it's not always been that way. And it's, and it's still not completely that way with all the leadership in our, in our league, but I think we're moving more and more in that direction, and it's encouraging. I loved what I heard from him, and I'll give you this quick story. Dustin Nielsen, who, of course, is a play-by-play guy. You know him, DT. Mm-hmm. Um, he has his morning radio show in Edmonton, and he said that he got multiple tweets and messages after his interview with Victor and it was a whole bunch of Edmonton fans saying, okay, now I'm renewing. Cause the message was all they needed to hear. I mean, he's got to back up what he's saying. There's no question, but that messaging has already had a positive impact on the fan base in Edmonton. And I think it will continue to grow.
2: How big a turnaround is on Twitter at DT on SC. How, I mean, it's a big, well, how big a turnaround is it that he, gm and and uh, chris jones have to do and i don't know how
0: much can they do in year number one yeah i i don't know um i i don't know the answer to that because i i don't i think that we get into sort of predictions and how quickly you can gain momentum i mean how does the team look how are they you know how are they playing are they entertaining playing entertaining football whether they're winning or losing at that point are they playing entertaining football are they in games or are they you know are they still really struggling on the field. I mean, those are those are all, uh, you know, elements of that discussion and that question that you're asking. But mm-hmm. I, I will say that once you start the messaging and once you recognize the issue, that's, that's one of the things that I think, you know, has not been discussed throughout many years in the league when we're talking about how can we improve. If we want to improve, we've got to look at what is the actual issue. And it's not the game and it's not the product. That's always been great. And it's not the players because they've always been great and and open to being there for the fan base, more so than any professional athlete in any sport. And I will not back down from that either. But we keep getting down roads and pathways that take us out of finding what is the issue. The issue is the messaging first and foremost. And if we all buy into that, if it takes three years, fine, no problem. If it takes five years to build up the 12-year-old we're talking to right now, who's playing touch or flag football, mm. we're talking to him. It might be five years before he buys a ticket by himself. Maybe he'll go with his dad and his family, but or his his mom and dad. But it's going to be five or six before he's doing that himself. So if it takes that long, it takes that long. But as long as you keep seeing growth, you know, the 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 fans, more fans in the stands. But I I love what Victor said about that. He said, you know, how is a fan that's sitting on his couch at home that's buying merchandise online while he's watching the Edmonton Elks on TSN, so that rating counts, how is he less of a fan than the guy that actually goes to the stadium? And just that messaging alone is great. It's not, you're the wrong demographic, so I'm blaming you for our problem. It's I don't care how old you are. Thank you for coming out and enjoying football, and we're going to make your experience better for you. And how can we do that? And that communication has already started in Edmonton. I, I think this guy is is he looks great out of the gate. First first impressions, yeah, double thumbs up for me. <laughs> His board of directors will go. We need
2: them to buy tickets, Victor. Make them buy tickets, but yeah, that's that's yeah. that's for uh, another day. Uh, Clayton Croker, obviously with us. Uh, Clayton, how big a turnaround? Is it for the Elks? From, from uh, however much you saw them this season, they were, their record was awful, but with everybody on the earth being a free agent, what kind of turnaround do you think it has to be?
3: It's a pretty big job, I think, but they got the guy to do it, right? Chris Jones is used to it. It's not like they have uh, some rookie guy in there to guide the rebuild. They got a veteran guy in there with a lot of experience, championship pedigree, and he's used to the place, right? He kind of knows where the bathrooms are and stuff like that, so that's good news. (laughs) Um, I I think that it's going to be a little little iffy the first year but i think once they figure out their quarterback situation and they just figure out the offense right they just get a couple more pieces on the offensive side of the football i think they'll be fine i, I don't know edmonton just kind of has that culture right that winning culture and uh, i think they have maybe one more off year and i think uh, i think the rebuild will be pretty quick there if jones cares
2: about the uh the offense on the on the elk suits before i let you go
0: um yeah
2: oddly enough vaccine mandates have been a Topic conversation in our city the last couple of days. James Wilder is going back to the Elks on a one-year deal. He was famously unvaccinated last year. He got his first shot. The Elks say every player will be vaccinated by the time they get to camp. Uh, Whether you want to say on the government level or not, but telling people you can't do A unless you have the shots has very clearly worked for a guy who was adamant he was not getting the shot.
0: Yeah, this could be a real polarizing discussion, can't it? But, you know, I I will say as as much as I respect the right of anyone to make their own decision about this, I also respect that a business or a league or an organization can also make their own decision on how to best protect the employees and everyone that's involved with that league or that business. And uh, as long as you understand that and think that way, I think we're fine. And any player that decides that they don't want to participate in whatever the rules are with their particular teams or business, they have that right. They don't have to come. Yep. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a real simple discussion to me. Um, I, I respect their right to make that choice, but I also respect the business's right to do what they feel is best. And that's what the leagues are doing and, and, you know, a lot of different businesses across the country.
2: Yeah, you, you have no divine right to the job you want to do. You need to follow the rules of that job. And if, if the government says, well, you have to do this to do that. Okay, well, you can choose to, you can choose to not do this, but then you can't do that. And that's the, yeah, it's, if, it's the stick, right? If Air right? Canada
0: says I, I can't get on the plane unless I'm vaccinated, well, the plane is part of my job. Flying to a city is part of my job. So if I wanna continue with my job, Air Canada, who has nothing really to do with the Canadian Football League, I, I have to fly. So yeah. I have to be vaccinated. It's, it's simple to me. That's the choice
2: I have to make. And, and just cause you're louder on social media. And that was the case with some, <laughs> some of the folks, just cause you're louder on social media doesn't mean that you're in the majority and you're going to have to take it. And while there bless his heart, he he realized what was important to him and the role football would play in his life. And he wanted to keep playing. He said, I'm going to do what it takes to make to make it happen because there were a lot of guys who didn't, who had to leave teams the day before the, the flying restriction came in or couldn't travel to a playoff game or had mm-hmm. to be replaced by Chris Jones because they were they put themselves before their team. Uh, glad to see James Wilder putting the team in the game before himself. Suits, thank you. We'll talk to you on Thursday, my friend. Okay, thanks
0: guys. Take care, DT.
2: Glenn Suter, fine tailored suits brought to you by Quality Tire, 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Clayton Croker of Stacey and Clayton in the morning on 96.3 Cruise FM with us on a Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Later, buds. Have a good one. Amen. At Radio Clayton on Twitter. It is 559. News is next on 620 CKRM. 6:04 on a Tuesday. It's Pat's night on 620 CKRM. It's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. The Pats and PA Raiders. 6:35, the pregame show with Dante DiCaria. Puck drop at 7. Connor Bedard will score by 7:07. <laughs> Ty Spencer will score in the 8 o'clock hour at some point.
1: Yes, sir. And Pats I think, win 4-2. I think we're going to have a little Ty Spencer interview during the broadcast tonight, too. So, Oh. Yeah, so just a little bit of a tease there for my friend uh, Dante DiCaria. Very
2: good. Uh, traded for Drew Englott. It's Ty Spencer's debut for the Pats. He falls a little more in line with the age that they're looking to cultivate. Yeah. What with Connor Bedard going into his draft year next year. Uh, this will be my, well, my second Pat's game of the year. I am very excited, mostly because, uh, as it becomes six Oh five, a little hungrier.
1: Yeah. What are you going to eat tonight? It's not, it's not Wiener Wednesday. So what's happening?
2: That's the thing. Wiener Wednesday, right? At the, is absolutely a staple at the Pat's games where two hot dogs for the price of one. (sighs) But since there is no such bargain today, it's my chance to freelance out. It's true. And experience some of the other options at the Brandt center. Uh, Just saying this, the single size of little donuts is enormous. Mm -hmm. If you're going to a Pats game and you, oh, should I get the little one? If it's just you, the little one is a lot of donuts. That
1: is a Pats game staple, the mini donuts. Mm. Like dating back to the 90s when you go to the old Agrodome, now the Brandt Center. You better believe you're going home with a bundle of mini donuts. So I'd say maybe some mini donuts for dessert tonight for you. Uh
2: Coca, nice Coca Cola. Uh, yeah. But was, what's the entree? Is the question. Um, Anybody got a suggestion for the entree? 36936-6262, The text line.
1: Coca Cola with lots of ice, cheeseburgers, and paradise. Oh, I've not had a burger French there. Fr- French fries and gravy too. <laughs> do you like do you like my Can poet? you believe
2: that? <laughs> Chad Jeter, the former writer, I didn't said I didn't know fries and gravy were a thing until I moved to Canada.
1: Yeah, that's just. Is that.
2: Does that jibe with your trips to America in the past? Like, I feel like fries and gravy was a North American thing, but then I don't remember my trips to Buffalo Wild Wings in Detroit.
1: I don't. Yeah, I just that that's one that I just don't seem to understand. You know, why would it not be? Yeah, like uh, Glenn said, it like French fries are just you know they're another form of potato. You always you always dump the gravy on your potatoes at oh. Christmas and Thanksgiving, right?
2: Mashed potatoes and gravy. There's nothing better,
1: so yeah, I don't, I don't I'm gonna have to take a day and try to wrap my head around that one, but yeah, love the guy still, love him,
2: love Chad Jeter, hope of the Air Force is doing him well, well, and not that this is a bad thing, cause, no no because he realized. Fries and gravy are awesome.
1: Exactly. It was uh, it was Charleston, it was Hughes. Charleston Hughes that the was barf yeah. Emoji, Charleston. Yeah. That doesn't
2: make sense. Not at all. You missed any of today's show? Arash Madani, Astrid Becker at four thirty. Glenn Suter at five thirty. You can get the Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter Wonderful feature dishes are available now at the Canadian Brew House, where confirmed they have fries and they have gravy. Yes.
1: Love it. And it's very tasty.
2: From the text line, I would beware of BC signing Duke and letting Brian Burnham walk because, based on age, they might be willing to give Duke two and three years and pair him up with Nathan Rourke. BC is going to be a real wild card in this with the Michael Riley retirement.
1: Yeah, if Michael Riley was still there, I would say, uh, like Duke, maybe he wants to reunite with his old Edmonton quarterback. But now that Riley's gone, it's it,
2: cap money, though. Yeah. Right? And the thing in the NFL... Would Duke want to
1: play with basically a rookie quarterback, though, at his point of his career? I mean, the guy, he wants to show that he's still one of the best receivers in the league, yeah. and I'm sure he wants to put himself in the position where that's most possible, and I don't think BC's the place for it. But
2: I, I think there's only one choice for Duke Williams. That's nah,
1: Saskatchewan.
2: Clearly. Like, all the other eight teams are terrible options for him.
1: They're all terrible teams, the other oh. eight teams, so...
2: But Duke will if you're if you're BC if you could pair up Duke Williams and Lucky Whitehead was the biggest home run hitter in the league last year. Like yeah. he he broke his wrist and didn't lead the league in touchdowns, but that guy was terrifying. He became absolutely terrifying. So if you could pair those two up, they're a team that maybe and we talk about it in the NFL with hey when you have a rookie quarterback Russell Wilson when he was a rookie Seattle wins the Super Bowl. Right? when you have a rookie quarterback, you don't got to pay him much. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl when uh, when he was a, on his rookie contract. Rookie
1: contract. That's the yeah. time
2: to strike. Like if you have to pay Nathan Rourke 150 this year and not 700 to Michael Riley, you can take some of that and give it to your backup in an incentive laden deal and spread the rest of that money around. <laughs> BC could be a player. Imagine, now that Riley's retired.
1: Imagine if they take the money that. Uh, they have left over from the the money that's freed up from Riley, and they take that and they give it to Burnham, they give it to Duke, and they already have Lucky Whitehead. They have all they, three of those guys. Is they the, give
2: it to Andrew Harris, who it, they bring back.
1: Could, is there yeah. a, is there any way possible that like those three receivers could be on the Lions, or is that just like goofy goofy? Duke, sorry,
2: Duke, Lucky, uh,
1: Duke, and Lucky, Burnham? and Burnham.
2: They'd have to go four Americans because they already have Dominic Rhymes, but you could. Oh you'd have to change your offense a little bit if you're them.
1: Hey, you got a new quarterback, now's G- the time.
2: Yeah, this is the time. It's it's going to be interesting to, to see what BC does. We were talking about what would you pay Duke Williams now that the market's been set by Lucky Whitehead with two hundred thousand dollars for the coming year. I said I would honestly push it as high as two forty because my Are you unlimited sticking love by it still? Duke Williams. <laughs> uh and if Duke's agent says two hundred forty five, I'd be like, Well, <laughs> Okay, but don't ask me for my kidney. And then he'd say, what about your kidney? Okay, but you can only have one of my kidneys. <laughs> and they'd say, well, now we want a lobe of your liver. Okay, well, yes, and here's a thumb, and yeah, and here's my house. Yeah, it's, it would be a lot. Uh, Clayton said 235, Zinger holding tight at 220, Two th- which would be a great salary. To get 10% more than the next best receiver Yeah, would be really good and and duke would deserve it. Uh Betty says 220 as well. She's with you on 220 for Duke. But what if they said 225?
1: Yeah. Would you cut- I, yeah, I I'd even go on my own savings to be like, "Yeah, yeah, 225." And, that,
2: and that's where I run into the problems too and that's why I'll never be a GM because, "Yeah, you know what? Only 5k more." Uh Betty also says, "Uh we talked about Andrew Harrison. Would you sign him up?" Because Clayton and I are both on the side of I don't think he's going back to Winnipeg. Hmm. Just with how this is playing out, Betty says I wouldn't sign Harris. He's older, he's banged up, he's too expensive uh for her a no-go with uh, Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine being better.
1: I kind of like the route that the Riders so far on January 25th have taken and just maybe going with Jamal Morel at, at at running back. Uh, I'm 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 for that that route instead of like you already signed basically. You already signed Morrow. You don't need to give money to like another guy now. You can get another guy like Morrow for for cheap. But I, I still like I'm I'm still a believer that Andrew Harris is gonna want like a decent contract. He's not gonna play for like you know like seventy grand. Yeah. Yep. So like that that's why I, like I wouldn't be a fan of, of the signing. Like I, that, to me that's a way. Like, but with that said, like the like the dude is a good football player. But
2: he's going to the Hall of Fame. The first time he's eligible. Of that to me, there's no question.
1: It's just I'm but, I'm on the Jamal no. moral train right now.
2: So. Yeah, and and if I'm the if I'm the riders, and speaking of their situation, I don't even want to look at veteran free agents on the market. Yeah. I honestly go, you know what? We protect with a fullback, that'll be James Tuck and Albert Awache. We'll protect with him, we'll protect with the inside receiver. If my running back isn't a hundred percent up to speed like that, like William Powell was, that's fine. That said, Jamal Morrow has been in, been with the Riders for two years. Yeah. So if Jamal Morrow is your lead back, and whatever American you bring in is your second back...
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's, like a, that's wrong for... Whatever
2: kid you find in the draft this year is your second back.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Whether that guy gets ahead of a guy like Keenan LaFrance for carries, a whole other thing. But Would, would, maybe,
1: the, would the Riders need to get another... Um, kick returner if Jamal Morales had featured back like that would kind of suck because that's oh, yeah. that's where Jamal Morales that's where we kind of saw him he was like oh my god look at this guy that's where we seen his spark right oh man
2: that that return those two returns against Calgary the one that got called back and the punt return for the touchdown fantastic that's he's got the juice. I'd be tempted to
1: keep him in there as your lead kick returner and your starting running back. Like honestly, you just that'd you, be wacky. But
2: yeah, you just can't do it. And returner is just less important, yeah. right, than a starting receiver or a starting running back. Just and you can tell that because teams don't use their best player. That BC doesn't go to Lucky Whitehead as its as his returner for every kick ever mm-hmm. shows okay, he's got more value on offense to us. Yeah. Right? That the riders don't didn't go to Kyron Moore for every return or Luchez Purifoy for every return. You go, oh, okay. You feel that this this spot offense and defense is more valuable than the return game in, in this mm-hmm. particular case, because you can have someone else take care of it. Morrow and a and a rookie American yeah, done for me because you me know too. me. That money can go somewhere else, like Duke to Duke Williams' pockets. Yeah, who's the biggest threat to take Duke away?
1: Uh, it, and it, if
2: it's Winnipeg, if you say Winnipeg, I'm coming over the table at you.
1: It was BC before the Riley retirement, but for some reason that carried a lot of weight in my mind to thinking. Probably, I don't know if
2: is it Edmonton.
1: It, it, it's either probably Edmonton or or uh, or Winnipeg. Edmonton But like Winnipeg like like they just paid Zach Zach is the highest paid player in the league now. They yeah. they they've they've paid Adam Big Hill, they've they've paid everybody. Uh I don't and if we're talking this two twenty five, two twenty 220 deal, like do they have money like that for for a receiver? And like Kenny Lawler's a free agent too, and he's probably gonna want around like between one hundred eighty and two hundred I'm guessing Absolutely. from the season that he had.
2: Whitehead had one good year. Why doesn't my client get that kind of money for one good year?
1: And it was just like, like Shaq Evans too, his big year in, in twenty nineteen and then he got a nice contract on the back end of that season too. So yeah. I I I think I think Duke realistic landing spots is probably, you know, around what we have here in like Saskatchewan out East in Winnipeg and, yeah. and probably Edmonton and probably BC and no, like I don't know Ed- Edmonton. I don't know who Edmonton has under contract
2: is my biggest concern about them. Like all their receivers are free agents. Yeah. Nick Arbuckle makes 300 something thousand dollars a year, which for a starting quarterback is a low salary. They've got James Wilder back. Uh, They traded for Tony Washington at left
1: tackle. Mm-hmm.
2: Everybody in the front is, is a free agent like that I can think of. Kwaku Boateng, Matthew Betts, free agent. Uh, Mike Moore, they traded him away. They got a lot of free agents, it, it feels like, which must mean they have a lot of money to spend mm-hmm. and throw at guys that you thought, like...
1: If I'm Duke Williams, though, I, I'm not wanting to play with Nick Garbuckle as my starting quarterback. Uh, why like, not? Uh, well, he's just not a proven... proven like what did he do in Toronto? Like he had a couple <laughs> yeah, of good games. Wasn't good. He wasn't, he wasn't very good. Like he, he, I think he's pretty much proven with the smallish sample size that we've had of Nick Arbuckle. He's like an average quarterback in the CFL. And if I'm Duke, I want a guy like, uh, like,
2: uh, where's up from, from there though?
1: Well, Cody since, Fajardo, since you play with Cody Fajardo and I think Cody Fajardo is a better quarterback anyways. Uh, I, like, it's it's Fajardo and it's... Zach. It, and, and it's Zach. Like, those are the two teams, if I'm Duke, that I'm, like, is, wanting to play for. Is
2: Dane Evans a step up in Hamilton? Uh,
1: yeah, I like Dane Evans more than Nick Arbuckle, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Ottawa, we don't know who's there. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, pinball has said they want him back. Is MBT a step up from Arbuckle or...
1: Same boat. Same, yeah. No pun intended. Yeah.
2: Is, yeah. Is current day
1: Bo Levi Mitchell a step up uh, <laughs> that's why it's that,
2: crazy that we t- we have to talk about Bo in that fashion now
1: that's why I think the riders and in the bombers if I'm a free agent receiver especially like like those like I want to go to where the quarterbacks are right now since Michael Riley retired yesterday it's you can argue it's pretty slim pickings right now, man. Like well, I'm, I'm not wanting to play with a basically a rookie quarterback in BC if if I'm Duke. Like I want a ball out. I want to, I want to guarantee that I have a competent quarterback that can get me the ball. Because what, what if Rourke gets? It's the case for every team, but if Rourke gets hurt, then what's BC down to? So I don't know. Duke, just come back to Saskatchewan, please. Just right.
2: Make it easy on us
1: make my my heart rate my beats per minute my bpm's up right yeah. now
2: February 8th, 1201 pm duke williams to the saskatchewan rough riders
1: that's oh. all we need is For. that
2: is that too much
1: yeah, the, I don't feel it, like that's too. Much. No, it's it's not. I mean, two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. That's 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 easy. Yeah. Two
2: hundred twenty-five thousand one hundred twenty dollars. Because you, me, and Clayton promised him some extra. That's true. Plus, I've got like a companion fare on Air Can- on uh, WestJet. He could have if I could figure out how to transfer it. Ooh. I'll give him some Pats tickets. I've got some Ooh. Pats tickets, and uh, I keep like six Diet Pepsi's on my desk. Free run of my Diet Pepsi fridge. Wow, I'd be willing to offer to Duke. Now Williams.
1: that that is that's an honor right there because no one gets near that fridge. Otherwise, DT tackles you like those old Terry Tate videos. Remember Terry Tate, the office linebacker. Office linebacker? That's oh, what yeah. that's what DT's like with his with his uh, Pepsi machine in oh. here. So.
2: Beginning of the pandemic, when Dr. Pepper was sparse, I was doling that out around the office freely. But Diet Pepsi?
1: You can't be tippy-toeing up in here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Terry Tate. It is 620. Plenty more coming inside the cage. 621. Sports Cage on a Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lottery just going over the stories of the baseball Hall of Fame voting David Ortiz is in his first year of eligibility Ortiz is in cleared the 75% threshold in his in their final years of eligibility Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling not in
1: but Kurt Schilling's Bloody Sock still might be that in was, the Hall.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it interesting how we've come to where we are ortiz incredibly likable during his career
1: big poppy
2: love it when you call me big poppy
1: i love it when uh, you call me big poppy
2: uh barry bonds roger clemens not so much kurt schilling was but he has done some diving off the deep end into yeah. the no water pool in yep. his time since then And uh scanned the people of Rhode Island Out of a bunch of money and other stuff like that but
1: A couple the, more things here and there
2: <laughs> Some stuff there David Ortiz tested positive for steroids
1: Yeah, that's something that in people 2003 Yeah, kind of forgettable Yeah so the, <laughs> the year before the Red Sox won uh, the World Series Now the
2: test was supposed to be An anonymous survey of players But it was leaked by someone That Ortiz's blood tested positive Ortiz has always denied it Barry Bonds never tested positive for steroids.
1: But Barry Bonds' neck and head did swell very large. So that's why people are like, what happened? <laughs> I, I did not
2: have a similar similar muscular growth spurt from the ages of 36 to 41. That did not happen. Yeah, not me, me either. How's my neck look? It's not, it's not Barry Bonds swell. <laughs> really? You've been doing some Adam's apple exercises, hey? Because that thing is
1: going. That is full, look at that. Look at Full flex.
2: Uh, Bonds got 66% of the votes. Clemens, 65% of the votes. Kurt Schilling fell down below 60%. Uh don't know that I'm... Bonds wasn't a good dude to the media. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't matter at all. No. Bonds wasn't a great... The stories are Bonds was not a great teammate. Uh, He he had two lockers and a recliner and said, get the hell out of here. Anybody who came here is locker. Not a great teammate. However, in (laughs) baseball, where baseball is the stop and start sport, you know what? If you're gonna slug 73 home runs and get walked 200 times, yeah, I feel like you, maybe you can be a little bit of a jerk.
1: Barry Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. You think? Is that your final? Is that is that the verdict? Because <laughs> I know you. I think that's the first time this show that you have said it.
2: He should be, and then <laughs> Clemens should be in. The, Clemens won more Cy Youngs, and okay, a bunch of them came before, came after the the rumors of enhancement began
1: the thing with Barry Bonds though is like the why I kind of lean towards that maybe he should be is like the guy was like dang he was like the one of the best players in baseball before he swelled up yeah <laughs> you know when Ninth- he was on the, when he was on the pirates like the dude was the best player in baseball
2: 1986 when he entered the majors at age 21 to 1999 uh so before a couple seasons before he hit 73 home runs uh Four to 45 home runs, 1,300 RBIs, OPS 970, park-adjusted OPS 163. Had he retired then, three MVPs, uh, top five three other times. Ooh.
1: So he would be like a borderline maybe like Hall of Fame or like –
2: That's a Hall of Fame career.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Everyday left fielder.
1: And if he would have just –
2: 2,000 games.
1: If he would have – if he didn't like blow up like a blimp – like and kept playing like that. Like he, he probably would have been in the Hall of Fame anyways. That's why, like, yeah. that, that's like the argument for for Barry for for Roger. I don't, I don't know what my argument would be.
2: Roger was the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, when he went to the Jays, he was cannon. unbelievable. But that was the other side of all this. When he was with the Red Sox, Clemens was phenomenal. Like, what was it, twenty strike? Uh, there was
1: some crazy...
2: 20-strike shutout, or no-hittery through that day?
1: Yeah, there's something crazy. Something
2: nuts like that. Uh, Bonds, that once he... I mean, he's in San Francisco, age 35, uh, 49 home runs, 73, 46, 45, 45, age 40, kind of breaks down, bounces back the next year to lead the league in RBIs for consecutive seasons at the ages of 41 and 42. Bonds had two... If it was proven he'd taken steroids, I don't know. I, I feel bad advocating for cheating, but here's my I guess here's my thing. If you don't put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame and they didn't, is that a, a deterrent to anything? Does anybody look at that and go, well, I'm not going to take steroids because I won't get into the Hall of Fame? It's, it's not a deterrent to anything. Yeah. Pete Rose getting kicked out of baseball for life, probably a decent deterrent to gambling on baseball. But... Does keeping Barry out of the Hall of Fame do anything on the steroid front? I don't believe it does because uh, the one percent of the one percent get to the Hall of Fame in the first place.
1: At the very least, they gotta have a they gotta have a a, a, a drug wing. In the hall, you know, off to the side They can make it, like, really dark So no one can see anything when you go in there Be like, you know, just make it really, really gloomy (laughs) You know, when you walk in there It's almost like to make the, the visitors feel ashamed That they're going into the drug wing Let's just do something like that just to say they're in Ken. the hall, the, that they're under the roof. Jose
2: Canseco greets you at the door, stamps <laughs> your hand and stuff. Yeah. Ken he's like, hey, come on over, have lunch with Cam. Like, it's just...
1: Sammy Sammy SoSo be like throwing you corks or something. Exactly. Uh, Like, there's so many cool stuff that you could do in the drug wing at the hall.
2: Sammy and his cowboy, his red cowboy hat. Just (laughs) hey, what's happening, partner? It's it's so tough, but I'm honestly very surprised that we got through ten ballots. And Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. He still has a path to the Hall of Fame, as they all do, through the Veterans Committee. But what level of cheating is too much cheating? And what level of proof of cheating do you need to say it's too much cheating? And Bonds is a real, real hard case because there's not proof. It's very good circumstantial and anecdotal evidence.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But did he cheat? Or honestly, maybe I have it wrong and maybe it is because. He's absolutely unlikable.
1: It's kind of like how OJ is a free man right now, but everybody knows that he shouldn't be a free man.
2: If I did it, (laughs) the man wrote a book about how he murdered two people and titled it, If I Did It, Here's How It Happened. He wrote a book. (laughs) Well... Marcus Allen found out that, uh, I found out that Marcus Allen was dating her. So I just happened to take a knife with me. And then I don't know what happened. Once I got there, I blacked out and all of a sudden dead people were everywhere. <laughs> I honestly, I got to read that book again just to remind myself of how insane it is that OJ
1: Simpson wrote a book. Don't know why I brought him up, by the way. I was just trying to relate something to the craziness of this. I don't know. Tomorrow on The Cage, CFL or
2: TSN football expert Farhan Lalji, Ian McMillan. Hopefully we'll talk to uh, rider safety Mike Adam back for yet another year. You're number five. Clayton will be back with us and you as well. We hope you'll be with us. Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brewhouse. Stick around. We are just a couple minutes away from Pat's Hockey on CKRM.